two, one. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Is there something stopping you from taking that next step in your life? Is there something blocking you from being happy? Well, then you should check out BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp is an online service that will connect you with one of their professional personal counselors in under 48 hours. Their counselors are specialized in many areas, including stress, anxiety, anger, and depression. You'll be able to schedule weekly video or phone sessions with your counselor in a safe and private online environment. BetterHelp is also more affordable and and a more convenient option than the traditional in-person counseling. We here at the 2-on-1 Podcast want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash listener. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash listener. Lads, we're back. Hello, guys. Adam, Daniel, we're back. Hello. That that take was good. That was perfect. Yeah. All right. Take four to start the show. Love to see it, guys. How are we? Oh, we're pretty good. How are you? I thought we were just going to go. This is the first time we're doing this. No, we're not. No, we're not going to lie to the people. No, No. that's not journalistic. No, it's not. It is absolutely not. We're a public service. (laughs) I wouldn't say we're a service, but. I think we're we're within the public interest. I, I remember that. I always no. remember that from the first year. Oh, I remember. Oh, public interest is one of those debates that I never want to have because it's completely subjective. But anyway, or news values. I remember that was a big one in the quizzes. It's just making me roll my eyes. How could you? <laughs> some some things are just like, man, just can we just be common sense rule about this? But you know, sometimes the world doesn't work like that. Anyway, a lot of stuff to get into today, eh, lads. A lot of hockey. Yeah. A lot of stuff. You know, we can talk about the Habs. You know what? Back-to-back games, going overtime, we get some good teams, ignore the shot totals, we will. More players are hurt because that's the way it works. The Leafs did not blow a lead. Kind of sad that those are the standards, but we will talk about that. Love to see it. We're going to talk a bit about the deadline. Going to talk about some teams. I want to speak mainly on Philly and Seattle, interesting enough. We're going to steal the SDP, uh, SDP's idea, and we're going to do a fantasy draft a little later. I'm really so excited, excited for that. Uh, some other trade deadline stuff and, you know, trade targets reports and all that. But I want to open the show, gentlemen, talking about the Edmonton Oilers. I'm not going to lie. I was really hoping they were going to lose last night. And when Lucic made it to nothing, I thought, there we go. Um, but the Oilers stormed back. Miko Koskinen played really well, yeah. made a lot of big saves. Leon Dreisaitl with the game winner. Brendan Perlini scored in the bench. We're loving it. Because he's the happiest guy on the team. He is. I think he might be the only happy person on the team. <laughs> yeah. There is a lot still wrong with the Oilers, which we will speak about. But I think it's a good way to start by saying they've gotten something. And seeing that bench and Dave Tippett smile at the end of that game was good for morale in Edmonton. And boy, do they need it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like uh, I remember and I'm in Jim Benning's press conference, you know, how he said, you know, we just need to start winning. That's kind of what needs to happen here. And especially when you're going off against a provincial rival to, to get a win like that, I think is, is good 
for the team overall. It doesn't change much in terms of how they're constructed, but I think to get right to get back on track for this team, it does involve winning right now. I love how there was so much serendipity there when we mentioned the guys who have spoken to the media, who were the guys under the microscope and the three people we just mentioned here, uh, who Adam mentioned, Miko Koskinen did well. Brendan Perlini scored. <laughs> Remember when he said, when is it um, going to get better? Next game. Next game. And then they 6-0. Yes. <laughs> but then, you know, he saw the future. And then Leon Dreisaitl scored. So I think that this is a start. I'm not going to get too excited about this, but it is a start of what they need to get to what they need to do to get back on track. Pretty sure they put Koskin and Dreisaitl in the same post-game press conference too. Of I didn't watch did. it, but I saw the image and like, that's funny. That's really, really funny. Did uh, Hockey he, Hall of Fame member Jim Matheson ask I'm sure a question? He, he asked a question. I'm sure it has been. Well, their last press conference, remember, Mark Spector made the point of saying Dreisaitl is, he's being very professional, very, very kind, very, very courteous here, realizing he needs to be a leader right now. It didn't help that going into that game, him and, and still Connor technically haven't scored in 2022. Did you know? I, I did not know, know that. that. I found That's, that out last night before the game. Yeah, it's brutal. Uh, quite brutal. Another reason they really needed to win that game is obviously a few days ago, they go against the Florida Panthers, a game that uh, they were controlling the start. They were doing great. And then it just fell apart. Uh, Costing wasn't great in that game. And you knew things were looking bad because multiple pieces of Oilers uh, merch were thrown on the ice. Um, I don't know if they were actually jerseys. They look like very solid colors. I wonder if they were shirts or something. Likes. Uh, Maybe, maybe, but uh, what's what's funny is watching that. Um, Louis DeBrusque was talking about, man. First off, that person apparently who threw their jersey sat back down. They didn't even leave. So what were security doing? Not to mention, we've talked about this before. Why are you doing it during play? I know at least some of the merch was done on play. I thought that was kind of stupid of them to do, um, but not to focus like too much on that game. But it was just it was needed going into a Saturday night game against you know Battle of Alberta. They needed to win it. But what were you going to say there, Alex? No, I was going to say, did you see uh, Brad Marchand commented yeah. <laughs> on? I, I want to say I I don't remember which account it was. I want to say it was Spin Chicklets had posted the video of. Um, of the jerseys being thrown on the ice and Brian Marchand, who's been on an absolute tear yes. in 2022 uh, says, this is why, or something along well, fans, will, this, wonder why, fans yeah. will wonder why Leon and Connor won't resign or something like that. And it's like, I mean, probably that has that it happened in help. Boston, like a Jersey throne. No, or at least in this era. Oh, I that, doubt that they've only yeah. ever heavily booed. I don't think they've ever done that. Yeah, I mean, I you, mean, you know, more stuff has come from players going after fans like Millbury. How are you? Then I think fans to players because think about it. OK, so you're going to throw a jersey on the ice. Ah, boo, McDavid, throw a jersey on the ice in Boston a couple of years ago and charge turns around and looks at you like, hey, you want to do that again? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I don't want to do that. Blue Cheech back in the day. Uh, no, no, thank you. No, thank you. No. Thomas Cabriolet, yeah, you know. I mean, I, there's a little bit of a gap there, Dan. <laughs> a little bit of a gap there. They still need a goalie to the Oilers. I think before the game started, I think originally Mark Spector said that Holland had told him Mike Smith is not close to coming back. Wow. So this was reported on uh, 32 Thoughts Hockey Night in Canada edition, the smoothest we've ever said what that title is. 
The Oilers are being careful of the cost for goalies. Uh, if they could have done something for a late-round pick, they would have done it lately. This is from Friedman. And I think they also specifically mentioned they don't want to give up a first. Fair enough. A second or a third, which I was thinking, man, that, I know probably Martin Jones isn't the best option, but you're not going to throw a third for Martin Jones. You know what I mean? Uh, if you're going to play a premium for anything right now, you have some good defensemen or eight good defensemen in there. Bouchard had two last night. That's a guy of the future. You have your core forwards locked up. Thinking about this, if the Oilers are going to pay a premium for anything, I'd actually do it on the goalie. But I just hearing like you don't want to give up a third. What? It, it, it sounds on. it sounds like Edmonton is trying to not look desperate. And like I, like I think that's what it comes down to. And you know, go back to that Holland press conference that screamed, "I'm trying not to be desperate, but I'm actually desperate." Because we all know the situation he's in. And and I think I agree with him in a sense in terms of like what's bringing in Martin Jones going to do. I think like you, why don't you try Stuart Skinner? Like I've been reading some of Oilers Twitter, uh, the good ones, and it seems like they haven't given Stuart Skinner a proper shot. And how are you supposed to know what you have in a guy if you don't? at least give him a proper shot rather than going out and spending a draft capital on a guy who's going, who's probably going to be gone in the next, like next season, like uh, for sure. You want uh, Skinner's numbers this year? Sure. Uh, 11 games played. He's four and six with a nine Oh seven save percentage. Miko Koskinen, 22 games played uh, 13, eight and one. That's funny with an eight ninety eight. Mm. So he's been better. I remember during the press conference, I'm pretty sure he was asked specifically about Stewart, and he basically said, he, yeah, he redirected it to, yeah, you know, he's coming along, but Smith and Koskinen. <laughs> I don't know why, but Smith and Koskinen. Ooh, it's it's it. weird to me that because usually a third is, because I'm thinking of like maybe a David Riddick type of trade from last ah. year, where that's usually a standard thing for a, a pending UFA you know, borderline one, like one B kind of goalie. And I don't know what, like another thing I'm thinking about is like, what does Ken Holland want? Like a Devin Dubnik 50% retained for like a conditional seventh. That might be a future gold medalist, Devin Dubnik, I'll have you know. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's, it maybe it's what's Friedman's famous saying. When you're in this situation, GM, so you anchors, not life rafts. Um, but if you're Ken Holland, man, I've been around long enough where I think GM should know not to mess with me. Unless the one trying to gouge him is Lou Lamorello, then in that case, ah, well, that sucks. <laughs> I just, you know, I'm thinking about stuff like that. Uh, we do have the big board is coming back. We started it. I there saw. are some goalies on there. Uh, so watch out for that. Uh, Jake Allen's probably not going to be an option anymore because he's out for eight weeks. God damn it. Brutal. So again, I can't go with that. Uh, anything on the Oilers we want to touch on or shall we move on? Um. No, I've said my piece in like the last four episodes. No need in repeating myself. I think they're going to make a big move. Really? And Ken Holland's going to overpay like he usually does at the deadline. What's the move? It's going to be something like it's going to be a defenseman. Okay. I think so. I'm calling it. I think it's going to be a defenseman. I don't know a specific name yet, but I'm just looking back on his. Before this episode, I looked back on his past trade history where he tried to keep the Red Wings afloat. I'm like, okay, if you're not going to trade draft capital now, I looked back on his old trades and I said, okay, you gave up like two prospects, a second and a third for a 34-year-old 
Eric Cole, who played like a few games for you. See, if McDavid and Drysdale turn around and can get them back on the ship towards the deadline, prices are going to readjust around the league. Like the general market will form. And you could think, remember how I think, was it the Detroit wanted a first for Bernier? Didn't get it. Held on to him. Uh, you can think that's probably going to happen. Goalies rarely really go for firsts. I'm trying to think anyway. So if you just kind of, unless there's just an example right off the top of my head. But I mean, so these are some of the guys I wrote down that are available. Jonas Corposalo, who apparently they don't like. Weird. Uh, Flurry, would he want to go? Uh, Braden Holpe is an interesting one. Uh, obviously Canadian guy. We just got to make sure he can get his turtles back and forth over the border. Uh, Martin Jones, Alexander Georgia has been floated a lot out there, but if I'm the Rangers, no, that's a draft move. Uh, Semyon Varlamov is, Varlamov is the one I think a lot of people are saying makes sense. Um, and then another one that's been out there, even though I wouldn't touch him, Antoine Kadobin. Okay, and you mentioned defenseman, Ben Sherrod, or I think Alex made the suggestion, Mark Giordano. Or was that you, Dan? Who no, made that no, that was Daniel. That was yeah. Daniel. Well, I'm like, was... why not? He's he's used to the area. Um, the Kraken like, are not going to do anything. Nick Letty's out there too. Maybe if Detroit are like trade or hold on. I, if I'm Detroit though, I wonder if you just hold on to him because you know you need some players. Or Nick Letty to Edmonton. Ken Holland, Steve Eiserman reconnect. That's true. That's true. And then somehow I don't know. McDavid goes the other way because Eiserman does what he wants. You guys <laughs> want to do this fantasy draft then? Sure. Okay. <laughs> So we'll do snake draft because we're just complete cop outs here. I'm sorry, Steve, but we're completely, we're completely ripping you. I'd like to say that I loved his list. Steve Dangles. He didn't have a goalie. That was hilarious to listen to. Well, because they changed the rules mid flight. That's not fair. It's not fair. Okay. So here's how I understand it. So for argument's sake, let's say Alex has first pick. I have second. Daniel goes third. So we would then the order would go Alex, me, Daniel, then Daniel, Daniel, me, Alex. And then me again. Alex me. again. Yep, yep. So I would theoretically always be in the middle. Correct. Okay. So, so let me, can I ask a question? Yes. In terms of the, which are we trying to create like a, um, a full lineup? So three forwards, two defensemen, a goalie. Is that, is that what your plan is? Yes. Goalie, okay. two defensemen, three forwards. Awesome. And the philosophy you take is yours and yours alone. Yep, yep. I think at the end, we can explain our thinking. So we'll do a coin flip competition. Hopefully it goes really well. First, Alex and Daniel, who claims what? I claim heads. Okay, I'll take tails. Oh, Oh, goodness gracious. Oh, no. Alex has won. He moves on to the finals. Between me and Daniel. Daniel, what do you Uh, want? I will get heads. Oh, God. oh, goodness. Oh, gracious. Oh, man. Oh, geez. Oh, God. Oh. I completely forgot. What did you actually say? I said Daniel, <laughs> Daniel said heads. Okay. So I have third overall. Yeah. That's tough. Okay. Oh, I guess it's third overall, Montreal. Yeah. Yeah. That worked out so well. I don't know if we if we give Alex the first overall pick because he already beat you, or do we just go for the sake of we'll it? Do, we'll go for the sake of it. Okay. Alex, since you won, I'll give you the choice to pick. Um, I'm I'm gonna pick uh, heads. It's heads. All right. The official draft order is Alex will get the first overall pick. Second overall will go to Daniel, and I am stuck with third. All right. I'm okay. going to write us down on a little uh, Google 
Excel sheet here. Awesome. And, and here, then just send it to me after. So I can also rip off Jesse Blake's wonderful okay. graphic. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> Ignore my messy desktop of Master Chief. Okay, Alex, you have the first overall pick. Yes. Who I are do. you going to select? I'm going to select Connor McDavid. <laughs> I would like to get your thinking on this. Why would you? I mean, like, okay, well, I mean, he's the best player uh, currently, in my opinion. And uh, for the future, for now, it's just perfect. Okay. Daniel, who is your selection? Um, I'm just going to make it fun. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl. What? Wow. Wow. You're taking Leon Dreisaitl. Why are you taking Leon second? Hello? Did we hello? lose him? Oh, oh yeah, we Daniel. still there. Daniel, no, Daniel still hello? There. Hello. Why would you take Leon Dreisaitl second? I have uh, I have hope. The same way Alex does with Big David bouncing back. Uh, okay. Bouncing back. Uh, yes. With the third overall pick, I'm taking Austin Matthews. <laughs> oh, that's smart. Wow, that's surprising, actually. Okay. Yeah. I thought okay. we getting Yes, Barry. No. <laughs> no. No. That is actually, you know what? That's a, I'm actually very surprised you took Austin Matthews. Can I just say? Because I McKinnon. Yeah. Yeah, McKinnon needs to score nearly 50 goal pace. No, that's fair. That's fair. Also, he's younger, Matthews. So I kind of yeah. need it. I need it. I needed this very badly. Also, I want my locker room to feel comfortable eating sweets. Also, you you do go back to back, so you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You oh, could also take I have to stop McKinnon. sharing because I don't want you guys to see my draft list. Okay. This is very important to me. Okay. So I have a strategy. Like I have a, I have a strategy to my, to my list here. Okay. I'm hoping you guys don't pick up on here. Okay. But if I'm going second, what do I want? What do I, like, I got to find my draft list. Give me a moment here. This is exciting guys. If only we could do this playing together on NHL. Okay. So here's what I'm going to do with the fourth overall pick. I'm going to select defenseman i'm going to take kale mccarr oh okay. he would drop okay. to me no no absolutely oh, if i had kale mc no I, I was going to take kale mccarr after my centerman any day of the week okay alex go ahead the, you daniel it's dan it's oh, daniel. opposite he this sucks okay daniel who are you picking alexander pick ovechkin you're taking ovechkin That's a good pick yeah fifth overall he goes O's Oh. Just fell out. Whoops a daisy. Alex, who are you going six? Why I figure this out? Yeah. Um, well, I'm gonna go with because I have back to back picks, so I'm just gonna select my two guys. I, I'm gonna select Adam Fox uh and Igor Shusterkin. Still figuring out my mic. Okay, okay, I'll was, I'll keep going. I'll, I'll explain. First off, yeah, I'll explain. Your goalie over Vasilevsky. Interesting. Yeah, well, you did the yeah. Boston Bruins back to back picks. I'm. You know what? I, I took the chance on Igor Shosturkin. I just, I really, I really like what he's done this year. And Adam Fox is, I mean, in my head, he is a top top defenseman. He's in that top three for sure. But I, I think I'm gonna go with Adam Fox right now. I have a strategy here. And I'm going to go with Adam Fox. Go ahead, Dan. You know what? I'll finish this with all my mic and finish it. Okay. Daniel, you're next. Oh, man. This is tough. Um, it's overall, Daniel. Who are you going with? I'm going to get so Jonathan. For, what? Sorry. You're going to say John. Sorry. I Jonathan, <laughs> Jonathan Huberto. 
Okay, may we get your thinking into taking Huber then? I mean, like, I think, and I'm not just using the Alex Baumgartner bias here, but he is lighting it up this year, 55 points in 41 games. And I think think him and Kadri are the ones that they're not spoken about enough in terms of, I guess, for this year, the top tier guys. I think that's fair. I think that's, I don't know why I'm talking into my mic. It's not working. Whoops, <laughs> JC. Okay, so just for people, I'll tell what the rosters are after I do this. Okay, so my goalie, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going Andre Vasilevsky. I, I, see, I obviously, you don't have to pick the goalie here, but I'm going Vasilevsky for my third pick. Okay, so here's how the order looks so far Alex, you have McDavid, Fox, Shesterkin. Daniel, you have Dreisaitl, Ovechkin, Huberto. I have Matthews, Makar, Vasilevsky. Okay, so, and I go next, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. Give me a minute here. Okay, with the 10th overall pick, I feel really good about this. I feel really good about this. Okay. With the 10th overall pick, I'm taking Alex Barkov. My strategy chance. was if I got a defenseman, a center, and a goalie, if I had Barkov left, I'd be fine. So I'm taking Alex Barkov. So is Barkov going to play on the wing or is Matthews going to play on the wing? It doesn't matter. Exactly. Who's ever, whoever has a better, uh, who's ever having a better night. Uh, probably Barkov. Cause he's a the Selkie trophy winner. Yeah. Good choice. Yeah. Daniel. Um, I think I got to go out of necessity here. So um, I will take Victor Hedman. Victor Hedman. Uh, old. I think, I think you just took Alex's pick. Uh, that's okay. That's okay. Edmund, 11. Okay, who are you taking 12, Alex? Um, I'm going to take Nikita Kucherov. Wow. Good to know you're not going to have him for the regular season. Kucherov, 12. Okay. And who are Um, you taking 13? Mark Stone. Mark Stone. Off the board pick. I need my defensive forward. That's not bad. Okay, uh, Daniel, this is going to be your last pick. Who... Is going to be. No, it's not. It is your last pick. Never mind. <laughs> Who is going to be your final player? Is it? It's going to be, and this is not a bias thing, but I'm going to have to pick John Gibson. You're choosing John Gibson. Yes. Okay, so I just want to read something to you. These are some of the goalies I. This is my list one to five. The fifth one's kind of chicky. Vasilevsky, Shesterkin, Soros, Demko, and Hart. And you're taking Gip, probably Gibson over Carter Hart there. Okay. Uh, and it is because we're going five, three, two, and one. Oh, wait. It is six. I'm a liar. Ignore me. I'm dumb. Okay. Um, so for 15th overall and my fifth selection, my second low, I guess I get to do both, don't I? Okay. Oh, this is huge. Okay, give me a minute. So I need another defenseman. I need a forward, right? Okay, for my last forward, I'm going to take uh, Kirill Kaprizov. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a good one. That's yeah, a good I, one. I had, I'm happy about Kaprizov 15th. I'll take in a heartbeat. Okay, and then for defenseman, I'm taking Devin Taves. The straight Colorado. Yeah. No, I feel good about that. I feel good about Devin Taves. I had some other lefty there, but I'm fine with Taves. Go ahead, Daniel. You're uh, your 17th. I will take Roman Yossi. Oh, oh I had Yossi as an insurance pick. Very good. Alex, your last selection here. I'm going to go with um, Jacob Slavin. 
I knew you were oh, going to go Slavin. I knew it. I knew it. Okay. So here's how we've shaped up. Alex. Yeah. Uh, oh. Oh. That's really weird. I didn't do anything and my mic started working again. Does that sound good? Yeah, you're good. Wait, your M-I-C mic or your M-I-K-E mic? This mic. Okay. okay. So this is how I'm assuming your lineup goes. Alex and Net, you have Igor Shosturkin. Yes, I do. Your defensive pair is Jacob Slavin and Adam Fox. Yeah, that's pretty good. And your forward line is McDavid with Kucherov and, and Mark Stone. Yeah. Daniel, you have Alex Ovechkin, right? Leon Dreisaitl, Jonathan Huberto. Uh, you have two left defensemen with Hedman and Yossi, but they're pretty good. And John Gibson in the cage. That's a good team. So on the back end, I have Vasilevsky in goal. Devin Taves with Kale McCarr. And then my top line is Matthews, Barkov, and Kaprizov. Oh, mm. nasty. I'm pretty happy about These that. are all such good teams. Um, that's a great starting lineup. You literally <laughs> cannot lose any games. No. With so I think if we, we go through our, our thinking here, who yeah. wants to start with how they approach this draft? Uh, I, I can go first. Well, I mean, I think I did a mix of... Uh, you know, winning now and winning in the future, maybe with the exception of Jacob Slavin and Mark Stone. And like, like, I don't know, like they're all so good now and that we, I still got a few years left in my cup window. Um, but you got Stone, the defensive forward who can also put up points. You got McDavid, who's freaking Connor McDavid and Nikita Kucherov, who's just Nikita Kucherov. But I think if I go on my back end, I got Slavin, who's defensively responsible, and you got Adam Fox. And I think with having Jacob Slavin there, you can let Adam Fox shine offensively. And Igor Shosturkin has just been an elite goaltender all season. And I think he's going to be an elite goaltender for the foreseeable future. Go ahead, Dan. What's your thinking? Okay, for me, I'm going to put Ovi, um, Hedman, and Yossi in a category of tried and true consistency. So the guys that even as they are in their 30s or, you know, approaching their 30s, that they've just shown it that they could be winners, that they could be guys that you can rely on. Like Ovechkin has not slowed down. I arguably think this is the best Ovechkin we've had in the last three years. And I think with Yossi, it's, it is a crime he is not in the All-Star game. Yeah, Should no, he's it. been sensational, especially the last two years. Um, okay, so my thinking here, I'm actually going to show you guys my list. So I can go through this. So I put a list together of younger guys, um, except Yossi. I think he be maybe my oldest guy. And I thought, this is my priority. Now, I took Ovechkin off the list because he's old. I took Sydney off the list because I want to compete. To be to quote Ken Hughes, I want a team that's going to compete for a long number of times. Vasilevsky is 27. Uh, Taves is 27. Um my lefty, I was kind of unsure of. I thought of taking Haskinen, but the thing with Taves is he's just been so good and he works so well with Makar. It's sort of, I took a team candidate approach. So as you can see, Vasilevsky, Shosturkin, that was my list for goalies. The lefty, you can see there. Hughes was an honorable mention because I thought it'd be funny with Makar. Yeah. Uh, my right D, McAvoy, I thought if, if McAvoy or Ekblad were my please, if I don't get Makar or Fox, but I'd be either, happy with either of them. And then there's just some of the forwards there. Pasternak would have been up there. Um, 
Daniel, you really threw a curveball up there getting Leon Dreisaitl second. I didn't think you'd do that, but thank you. Thank you for giving me uh, Matthews. I appreciate appreciate that a lot. Wait, did none of us take McKinnon? No. No. (laughs) I just realized that. Oh. Oh, goodness. Oh, that's embarrassing. He'll be be on the taxi squad. I don't feel bad. I don't feel bad. Um, I I actually feel awful about that. That's what I realized. You know, I had McKinnon on my list, and I'm like, uh, there's absolutely no way that I'm going to get McKinnon. Yeah, same. Because you were yeah, going to get, because I just assumed you were going to take McKinnon, like with I, your first pick. I thought the same thing too. That's so why I didn't take McKinnon. That threw me for a curveball there. I I kind of wish I didn't take Kaprizov now. <laughs> and I would have had McKinnon, McCarr, and Taze. I'm actually really upset about that. I know. I, I was going to take Kaprizov. I was about to do a Daniel favored list again, but I I, I did. I, I held back. <laughs> I can't believe neither of us took Crosby or McKinnon. <laughs> I had I'm a little embarrassed. Uh, I, anyway. I, don't feel, I love my team. Uh, yeah, when you post this, Alex, can you make it clear that we like completely forgot? Also, I just realized I closed my I closed it without saving it, so we're gonna have to go back and find it. <laughs> just remember your list in your mind, lads. We're back. Okay, so we immediately realized we did not draft Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, no. yeah, and we're a little embarrassed about it. So a little bit. I think we all knew McDavid was going to go one, even though Alex just said to me he wanted to take Matthews. Okay, Alex. I mean Daniel. Yes. If 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 McDavid was available, would you still have gone dry side? Um, Please tell me you were going to pick McDavid. Yeah, probably. Pick, I mean, like that's the most obvious one, but okay. I don't know Leon Drysaddle one. It just it just fit for me. I don't know. It just fair enough. I'll take Matthews, but yeah, no, we, we completely forgot about Nathan McKinnon. The other two thought I would take him if he was available. And then I think after the first round, we just completely forgot he existed. So sorry, Nathan McKinnon, but you're cut. So now we were joking. If we do a full draft from our current teams, we do another flip and we hope to like, hope one of us gets first overall. It's only going to be us, but whoever gets first overall is basically going to pick up Nathan McKinnon and it's going to be hilarious. But yeah, um, please don't yell at us. You probably <laughs> will, but yeah, I can't you wait. You know what that. happened what? when you mentioned the diet and the locker room thing with that? I'm like, Oh no, I don't want that on my team. Ovechkin. <laughs> remember his pregame meals. Ovechkin eats like, I forgot. He, he eats like, a family-sized portion of pasta with chicken breast and mushroom sauce. I remember he mentioned that, and that's his pregame meal. And then a lot of the younger players that came in at Washington who are more into, like, I guess, the modern diets for athletes said, like, I don't know how Ovi eats that before a game. Um, I'd be having a nap if I was him. There was this number. It was like the – I think it's since, like, maybe he was drafted the leading goal scorers in the league, and it's like him – a significant drop off and Crosby in that. And then they showed the hits and he had like 3000, I think he was at like 3000 hits and he was like 50, he was 2,500 ahead of second. And he has stayed this healthy and is currently tied with Kreider for the lead league in goals. He's seven away from Yager, by the way. Wow. We're That's getting incredible. This. Talking about Washington's organization, more talking about the AHL team. The Hershey Bears had the teddy bear toss yesterday, and it continues to be so freaking cool. I love the teddy bear toss. It's not like Zach Pukali and that we're jumping on. Uh, this is from the NHL. Um, just doing a little, little uh, bit of nugget from, from the teddy bear toss. Um, 
a new record, a world record, 52,341 stuffed animals were tossed on the ice. I wow. love that. That is That's so adorable. many animals. Yeah. That's awesome. It's great. Uh, looking around the league, uh, guys, as we know, I believe it's Monday, March 21st is the NHL trade deadline. Uh, so anyone listening, you need to get ready because your Twitter feed will now be full of rumors and fake Twitter accounts trying to fool you with fake trades. So remember, check the username, look for the blue check mark, make sure it's not an emoji. That's a good trick. I've been tricked by a few of those lately. Haven't uh, went to the group chats yet, so that's good. Uh, her stuff. We're going to start with JT Miller because all of a sudden it sounds like he's on his way out of Vancouver, which is insane. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like, and Frank Saravilli was on the Jeff Merrick show talking about this, the Rangers seem to be interested in a reunion. That would be, that, that would I could see that. Yeah. They need a more center depth. So why not? They've talked about that. Apparently they want a forward and a, and a defenseman in New York. I, I, I didn't realize until I was pulling my notes together. Uh, the Rangers are all of a sudden seem to be in on everything. Also reported they're interested in Jake DeBrusque. That could possibly be another crap sob destination. The reason I say another one is because apparently uh, amongst the apparently legitimate offers the Coyotes have for Jacob Chikorin, uh, we know that the prize is a young player, a prospect, and a first rounder. The Rangers have interest, and their offer also includes Vitaly Krapsov. The Rangers are dipping their toe in every pool here. Yeah, and I think, like, remember in the summer how, in well, for part of it, they were very much in on uh, Jack Eichel. And, you know, that was going to take a, a specific amount of assets, and they never ended up trading for Jack Eichel. So, therefore, they're still they still have those assets available. So the fact that they're in all these deals to me makes it seem like, you know, they're going to make some moves uh, hopefully soon. Um, And, you know, they're priming up for a playoff run and that division is not going to be easy by any means. This reminds me of the 2000, I guess the stretch of 2003, 12 to 2015 for the Rangers where it was right before that era when they started to have that retool, but they were literally spending everything. They got Rick Nash. They got Brad Richards. Um, they, they traded Marion Gabrick, like Derek Brassard and like a few guys like John Moore. And they were just throwing everything they could, no matter what to make it to the playoffs and just go for a run. Um, you could also even include um, who's that guy they got there. Oh, uh, Martin St. Louis. Remember yeah. that happened? Yep. So I think that the Rangers are just assessing the market, seeing what they can do, and just going for it. Yeah, asking me if I remember Marty St. Louis as a Ranger. Yeah, I remember him cherry picking on the, the face. Ah, oh, God, get this guy. Ah, 2014. Yeah, Marty St. Louis. Oh, goodness gracious, that guy. Pretty decent player. He's in the Hall of Fame now, right? Yeah. Remember who's on Team Canada? Oh, no. cut, he cut it close. He cut it close. Stevie Wise said, yeah, sucks to be you, man. Another team that's pretty interesting. The Philadelphia Flyers. This is something that's very impressive. The Flyers have lost their last 11 games. They've played 41 games, I should add. It is the second time this season they've had a losing slash winless streak because the league is done. The second 10-game winless streak of the year for the Flyers. So if you're the Flyers and you're smart, as they should be, about the direction of your team, what pieces are you selling off at the deadline? Beside Claude Giroux, by the way, because that's too easy. 
Rasmus Riskalainen. That's another good one. Get something for him because I don't think it'll make sense. Well, I don't know. This is such a fires thing to do that they'll give him term and a certain set of money for the year and they'll just kind of keep him there because they've have that habit of doing that. But I think at this point, even if you're going to take a loss on it, just get something for him. It reminds me of like a Brandon Montour situation where the Sabres thought they had something going and then they traded Brendan Gooley in a first round pick for him. And then they realized, oh, okay, we can't resign this, this guy and we're not going anywhere. Let's trade him for a third. Alex? I, I just, I don't know what they, what much else they have to sell off that, inter, that is in terms of being a UFA. Like I look at their decor, you got Justin Braun and Keith Yandel, who is a UFA at the end of the year, as well as Martin Jones. It's just, yeah, like those are the three obvious guys that we haven't talked about yet where, you know, I, I look at someone like last season where it was Ben Hunt who got traded for what, like a fifth, like you're trading Keith Yandel and Justin Ron. Maybe you'll get a little bit more than what the, what uh, Anaheim got for Ben Hutton, but you're, there's no one on that team to me. That's a UFA this year who says, wow, I'm going to get this package. Like it's just not there for them right now. wonder if they, what they're looking like at the draft like, do they look at Provorov? Oh, wow. Because I'm not convinced Provorov's as good as we all think he is. He's a kind of like a just-you-wait kind of guy still, but I'm like, he's already 24, 25. Because it was, what was it, the Niskanen thing broke his back? I don't know if Matt Niskanen going should completely break your back. I, I, and I understand what he does, but again, yeah, he could be wicked in two years because he's a defenseman. They always yeah. take a little longer. Not goalie long, but they get there. But do they do that? Do they look at seeing what that returns like? That's sort of a bit of a wild card move there. But Sam Moran, you would hope would get moved because my goodness, it just it's been a roller coaster for him there. The I think maybe one name we we haven't been talking about is, and this might be more as a draft move, as you were saying, is JVR. Oh yeah, like he has he has this year and next year. Uh, $7 million. If you retain on that, I'm sure someone will take him at three and a half, even for a year. I just, I don't know. If, I think so many teams are just in cap hell at the moment that to find a way to make that work in the middle of the season just seems almost impossible to me. Yeah. For me, I think that he's definitely getting moved. And before I started looking at a lot of the cap situations for teams, I thought he would be a consolation prize to a possible Phil Kessel deal. But seeing that he has a year left, I think that GVR will get traded. The Flyers will trade him, but I think it's going to be a draft day trade or it's going to be something in the offseason. You talk about the difficulties of trading. Uh, we know the way the cap is looking across the league. Uh, trades aren't going to be easy to make. Half the teams right now in the league, exactly half, are spilling into LTIR. The 16 who aren't have less than, um, sorry, five of the 16 who aren't have less than 5 million in cap space. Uh, and then that's not even asking how many teams would probably be eager to take in cap space. Uh, one of the remaining 11 teams with substantial cap space is Seattle. I think it's around 12 or 13 million. Um, they valued cap space very much when they were going through the expansion draft. Are they going to recognize that space at the deadline? Because if they don't, I really need to know what they were thinking. 
yeah, I, I don't see why not. They can be the middleman in a way uh, we've seen it in the past, but I think they also have some assets that you might be able to sell off. Uh, I mean, we talked about Mark Giordano, but up front, two guys that stand out to me are Callie Yarncrook and Marcus Johansson. If you're not willing to resign them or it's just too expensive that you don't think it's worth it. Again, those are options. Boy, boy, Callie, as Marshawn would say. I think, yeah, that makes sense for them to where they are right now. It'd be nice for them to maybe be a broker team, just get a few assets here, you know, in exchange for using their cap space, um, helping teams out because I don't, it, they're still in that foundational phase with things where it's not completely, not gonna, it's not hopeless, but I'm, I'm just saying that it's at a point where I know what kind of approach they're trying to do there. I think they got to be a big player at the deadline. Um, cap space is useless if you don't use it, even if it's waiting to use it. I just, you know, I think of Mark Bergevin a lot there. Um, they say that cap space is a weapon. Seattle, that was a big thing Rob Francis talked about at the expansion draft. Uh, specifically, I remember they asked, I want to say it was right after they took Kale Flory from Montreal. And the crowd was very disappointed at that event because everyone wanted them to take the BC boy and carry pro everyone except me wanted it to happen. Um, and Ron Francis made the point of saying we weapon and we value cap space. Um, Seattle, I think need to do something good, whether it's being a middle team, whether it's taking a bad contract, Arizona did it perfectly, perfectly on the off season. I think Seattle needs to be there. Because you know, we haven't really talked about them this year on the show, but man, they've been underwhelming. They haven't mm-hmm. been in as many games. I know they've had a hot streak here, a hot streak there, but in such a mediocre Pacific division that has had the mess that the Canucks were, the Oilers being the Oilers, I expected more. And there is a fundamental issue there with goaltending. And I know a lot of people rip Grubauer for where he was. He's always been on good teams. That's a guy whose save percentage has always, always been above league average. And all of a sudden, he's just pooped off in Seattle. Uh, that's worrying to me. That's, and not to mention, he's locked up. So the cat space they have used on one player in particular is a bit concerning already. You know, goaltending is pretty important. And I'm thinking about too. Too. Yeah. What I'm thinking about this team too, just a lot of the, the guys they gave term to were I think these are great players, but I don't think that these are the focal point kind of guys where you should be giving the money to where I look at their back end and, you know, Jimmy Olesiak and Adam Larson, or even up front, you know, you have um, Alex Venberg and Jaden Schwartz. Who did they give Wenberg again? Like 5 million? Uh, they gave him four and a half for three years. Oh, no, come on. That's the After like me? his bounce back season in Florida. Uh, you, mm, mm, mm. Like, I wonder if you get something good for um, well, I uh, McCann. I wonder if you can yeah. get something for Jared McCann. Yeah, he's an RFA at the end of the year. Like, our, who our needs life. a good depth center? Everyone needs uh, a pretty depth much center. everyone. The least, every, uh, literally every team in the league <laughs> could use it. No, I, I, yeah, I think. Seattle is looking to be like a traditional expansion team in terms of what their performance is 
on the ice. Mm-hmm. Like, and I mean, you, the moves maybe they made in the off season didn't necessarily reflect that per se, but it's just what's happening right now is that they do not look great. Because right. I'm looking at this team now, and when the Golden Knights, you know, a lot of it was a surprise, but you had Marc Andre Fleury as that marquee guy where you sell it to the market and say, that's your guy. Who's their guy? Who's Seattle's guy? Oh, that's a good. They had the chance to have a few of them. Yeah, who is the. Yeah, is it Jordan Eberly? Is it Tanev? Who is Mark Giordano? Yeah, no, that's fair. Well, well, Vegas also had a really good coach. And uh, Hackstall, I don't know if he's a good coach. I I think, well, another thing that's different from Vegas, like I think you can argue Mark Giordano is the Mark andre Fleury of this team, but he's not the Mark andre Fleury. Like he's not. Like Pittsburgh were coming off back-to-back cups, and whether or not he was integral in the playoffs is – meaningless like he's was a damn good goalie for the Pittsburgh Penguins for countless years Mark Giordano no offense to Mark Giordano was not that level of good in in his position is that fair to say yeah no, I mean like other than the Norris his, yeah later yeah, in his career it yeah. took it took a while it's right a while. yeah it did but and I think what Vegas had that Seattle didn't is that there was just this large group of players who look who it, it felt that they were in a sense rejects from their previous team. And I don't know if we necessarily have that same coming together that we did with Vegas. That's a good point. Cause mm. you know, there were guys showing up at that draft, like Everly and Tanev who physically showed up and they were happy. They were, they loved to be there at Seattle. Woo, woo, woo. That's what I thought of. Um, Cause for me, the biggest one, I, th- I thought this was going to be the storyline was Jordan Eberly, where he signs long-term with the Islanders after being rejected by the Oilers and Lou Lamorello protected Matt Martin over him. I've never, people don't talk about that enough. Wasn't it more than, wasn't the whole perfection line? Yeah, they were protected. Or, um, over, uh, no, it's not perfect. It's the identity line. The identity yeah. line. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah but that's, per- that's a perfect eighties line. I should say. Um, but yeah, I just, a lot to keep an eye on in Seattle. Do you guys know who leads the league in points right now? Um, Alexander Ovechkin, I think so. Is it him and Drysidel? Fifty-eight points. Wow. So I didn't mention that. McDavid's at fifty-five, along with Huberto, Kadri fifty-one, Stamkos fifty, Caprizov's uh, up there forty-seven. Uh, the best goals against average in the league is Charlie Lindgren, one point two two. Don't know how many games he's played. Doesn't count. Freddie Anderson's at the two point oh three. If he makes you wonder, Adam Fox is there with forty-five points. McCarr's at thirty-eight, but I feel like he missed time. And McCarr's also better, so who cares? Lucas Raymond's still at the top of the league for rookie scoring and all that type of stuff. Yeah, just a quick look at scoring around the league. But Trevor Zegers is getting there. Um, so is Lindell, man. Man, you talk about underrated players. People still don't. I know people are like, you remember how it was? Uh, Backstrom was the most underrated player in the league, and eventually people stopped saying he was because we all know who. I I think we still don't appreciate how good Backstrom really is. Like, if let's all be really honest here, do we? No, we don't. Barkov is still there because he should be in the All Star game, and uh, I feel like it's it's the same. 
uh, looking at a guy like, and not the same because he just got here. Uh, Antoine Lundell has been amazing this year and it's not talked about that much. Maybe because it's been a more of a depth role, but Lundell's been good, man. Lundell's been really, really good. Uh, I still think it should be Cider. I know he's tailed off a little bit, but defenseman, much harder. Um, I just, you know, you know, I, I, and I think Zegris just got some publicity votes for just how skilled he's been. But, you know, also Raymond not going to the All-Star game is how? How did that? I know I wasn't here for that episode, but I there were a lot of snubs either. Who was who was the um Detroit pick again for the All Star game? I think it was Larkin. Okay. <laughs> Which I get because you can do it for fastest skater, but just invite him to do fastest skater. By the way, like fastest Stop. skater this year is going to be great. <laughs> Adam, you're, you're talking about too much creativity, and you know I, I just. I think the NHL moving the had, dial too much. NHL uh, has had a, a, the NHL has had a, about enough creativity for this year. Okay. Well, they didn't put much creativity into their statement earlier today, did they? No. I'm just gonna read something here, and maybe everyone can get where I'm going with this. Uh, this isn't gonna be an easy topic to talk about, but it's one that's very important. Statement from the National Hockey League. This came out around midday uh, Eastern time. It's now 1:30, so about an hour just over ago. Two sentences. Quote, incidents of racism, whether they occur in hockey or anywhere else, are abhorrent. The NHL will continue to make its resources available to the hockey ecosystem to educate and inform with the goal of making the game welcoming and safe for all players and fans. Two sentences. Now, why is that important, you may be asking. Over the past week, two major incidents have happened. Um, Racist incidents. First off. Uh, during an, an AHL game between the San Jose Barracuda and the Tucson Roadrunners, respectively, uh, the AHL teams of the Sharks and the Arizona Coyotes, um, a guy by the name of Christoph Habrick, I'm, I'm probably saying his last name wrong, doesn't deserve it, uh, forward, he made a racist dress ja- gesture Sorry to Boku Imama. That sounds familiar because this happened, a racial slur to him in 2020 from Brandon Manning in the AHL. All right. Two years I ago, I think, video- to the day. Oh, yeah, wow. very. Yeah. So I haven't found video of this. If you look it up on YouTube, it's really weird. You keep finding these like, don't look it up on YouTube. You're not going to be able to find it. And the videos you end up finding are very strange. Anyway, uh, Haybrick has gotten 30 games through the incident. Um, also, yesterday in an ECHL game between the Jacksonville Icemen and the South Carolina Stingrays, um, a Jacksonville player by the name of Jack Panada made a monkey-like gesture to Stingray's D, Jordan Subban. Now, Panada currently is suspended indefinitely pending a hearing, which is fine work by the ECHL, but they're not off the hook. Alex will mention that in a second. So these two major events have happened. I believe Haybrick will, uh, he put out an apology. We're going to read that in a second. It wasn't great. Started off well, then just tailed off almost immediately. Uh, we'll be working with the NHL's inclusion program stuff, like people like Anson Carter in that. Um, I just before we dive into those incidents, and we're going to read PK Subban's tweet because he's defending his little brother, understandably so. For those two major events to happen, and you know, you obviously what's going on with the HDA, and they called up, like called out more action, like two weeks ago needed to take place, and that's the best the NHL can do. Two sentences. Also, I sorry, don't know where we are. Just to add, this was it's the same week that Willie O'Ree just yeah. got his number yeah. retired, and we oh. had the discussion about it 
last episode or did we i don't remember if it happened in time for the last we episode. mentioned it was a joke that that in it willio re had thanked gary bettman in the league's work but it was outrageous oh okay okay well we brought it up and like literally the next episode and we record what every three or four days yeah now we're having to we have to have another discussion about this it just seems kind of ridiculous for me like good on jordan subat like i've seen the video a few times circulating but you know good on him that he was able to really defend himself and he really was taking a stand with this especially with his tweet and i like the support that he's getting from not just the players but also like the media like elliot friedman jeff merrick they also tweeted about it yeah what was it um, to do with the with that stuff? To PK Subban's tweet, I think Friedman was like, "I want to put more attention here." So I want to say the what was it? So Alex, the original ECHL segment um, was it? So was the reason the ECHL didn't mention the player's name? So it mentioned the name. This is the ECHL statement. Uh, okay. This was from. I want to say a couple hours ago, uh, the ECHL on Sunday announced that Jacksonville's Jacob Panetta has been suspended in- indefinitely pending a hearing under the collective bargaining agreement as a result of his actions in ECHL game number 474 South Carolina at Jacksonville on January 22nd. Uh, Panetta is, spend- is suspended under Rule 28, supplement- supplementary discipline as a result of his actions at uh, 23 seconds of overtime. Hey, the problem is, sorry, so they named him, but they didn't say, they haven't mentioned, maybe that exact ruling is to do with unsportsmanlike conduct, probably phrases up, but they didn't show it. Now, and there is, unlike the Imama stuff, there's video of the Stuban stuff. And you clearly see the other guy doing like a slouch. It looks like he's trying to be an, uh, like an ape. It's just purely unacceptable. Um, I'm going to read. Okay. So what would you guys like me to read first? Uh, Subban's tweets or should I go to the apology and the Imama stuff? I think Sorry, we're talking, are we talking about uh, the AHL stuff or ECHL stuff? So. Um, let's start with the ECHL because, okay. um, because PK got involved. Okay. Um, now here's what's interesting is PK Subban is, I don't think he's actually, he's not always super vocal about, you know what, like he rarely, I shouldn't say that because he's a very big presence on social media, but PK Subban, I think has rarely gone on a rant, uh, if ever. Um, and listen, he's a very like important figure in this game. Um, and obviously he's been very publicly like a, a big, big, big target of racism in the past. Um, and I think you can definitely feel like the personal stuff here because it's his, it's his freaking little brother. Um, now, uh, so first off, he quotes the video of it happening uh, and says, they don't call the East Coast League the jungle because my brother and the other black players are the monkeys. Hey, Jacob Panada, he tags him. You shouldn't be so quick to delete your Twitter or your Instagram account. You will probably be able to play again. That's what history says. Um, But things, okay, hold on. He didn't, um, but things are changing. Um, Now, not just the hockey world knows your true colors. Your hometown of Belleville knows. Your family and friends know you're a fraud. With everything that has gone on in the past couple of years in the world, I'll say with all due respect, to everyone who has an opinion, this isn't a mistake. 
We all know what's okay and what's not. Even your own teammate wanted to see your clock get cleaned. This happens a lot, and it never gets exposed in the lower leagues. One thing that I love about um, about this is Jordan's teammates standing up in there and showing support. Love that, and then he just gives some shout-outs on that. Um, we don't see sort of veil down PK a lot, um, but that speaks it. One thing I want to say is I, I appreciate his teammates standing up for him as well. It just sucks that we, that what has to happen is teammates have to step up here um, because I don't think it, it's a hockey thing, but I hate that racism has to be answered with physical force. I am in no way blaming Jordan Suman for going after the guy perspective. If that was me, I would have done it. And I'm and like, and I can only imagine the, the stuff he's been through before. I'm a white guy. I have no idea what that's like, but you know, it's probably not the first time it's happened to Jordan Subban or his family. We've heard stories of when PK was a kid. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anything else on the ECHL stuff before I yeah. go to the Boku and Mama stuff. So I just want to read this statement uh, from the opposing team. Please. Oh yes. Uh, yes. Please. I no. can't, I lost the, uh, the what I don't remember what hit team he plays for. What team does Jordan Subban play for? I, I cannot remember. Uh, he plays for the South Carolina Stingrays. Okay, if one of I I can't find their statement, but it's drastically different than the Jacksonville Iceman. Uh, this is the statement from the Jacksonville Iceman. By the way, uh, affiliate of the New York Rangers, uh, the Jacksonville Iceman are cooperating with the league. Uh, with the league review of the incident that occurred in last night's game against South Carolina. As an organization, our fans, partners, and sponsors know our core values, and it, and we intend to make comments and decisions after completion of league review. No, no, no. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Daniel, do you have anything to add? I think right now it's just it's really early with what's going on with things that I already knew that this was going to be the expectation in terms of these statements that the NHL always does this when it comes to these types of cases where it's like, oh, we have to or like for this one, it's just for Jordan Zuban. It's just they're going to say, you know, there's going to be internal investigation. We're going to see how things go. But I think this one's pretty clear cut in terms of the video terms of what happened in terms of what's been spoken already and again like what we said before what what the nhl is doing what these leagues have been doing is that i'm not surprised on how things are going but on one hand i like that this is getting enough noise especially through the suban family and that that's being amplified through social media like i think that that was a very good thing that they did but at the same time I'm not anticipating much in terms of what the ECHL is going to do. I'm I'm really not at this point. I'm just, if they do something great, but at, if I'm going to predict anything, if I'm going to foreshadow anything, I don't think, I think it's going to be a slap on the wrist and it's disappointing for me. Daniel, I, I don't know about that. If the AHL just hold up this 30 gamer um, to the AHL incident, I, and I think the public pressure for this is going to be enormous. Uh, especially when PK is getting involved. Um, mm-hmm. So um, also there's just two statements I want to read because not only did the Stingrays, I found it, but uh, the Stingrays one. I also had that of the Hershey Bears. 
Um, so because um, the Stingrays are the ECHL team, I've just learned of the Caps and obviously Hershey to do or the middle ground. So first I'll read Hershey's statements. The Hershey Bears stand with Jordan Subban. We condone at we sorry, we condemn acts of racism in all forms, including those gestures made towards Jordan during the South Carolina Stingrays game um, at Jacksonville on January 22nd. There should be no tolerance for racism in our game and, uh, or our society. Diversity, equality, and inclusion are incredibly important to the Hershey Bears, and we offer our support um, to Jordan and the entire Stingrays organization. So this is the statement from the Stingrays. Uh, sorry, it's from their president, Rob Cancanet. Um the South Carolina Stingrays are disgusted and appalled by last night's incident involving Jordan Subban. and the organization stands in support of our friend and teammate Jordan, as well as all other players who continue to deal with racism and discrimination. This behavior has to stop and is unacceptable. Um, yeah, I, I, at this point, And again, I, I think I, I made this point a couple, maybe last month when we talked about, I can't remember Mitt's incident exactly it was, but the Danishkin stuff overseas, that's one thing. With all the noise been around hockey and how it needs to get better culturally, gives even more weight to these incidents. And to go to the Boku uh, and Mama stuff. Can I just, oh yeah. Do you, you know, mind go if ahead, I just add some? Yeah. Because I, I, I think it, it pertains to both, but I think because the ECHL is at a lower level, I think just before we move on. Yeah, yeah. Go not ahead. every team has an ECHL affiliate. Yeah. Both of these teams do. Which that's plenty. Which to me, and, and listen, I, I I know there's going to there I don't want to just pretend like I'm fighting with people online for no reason, but there's going to be a group of people who I know disagree with this. I very much believe that the NHL affiliates should somewhat be involved uh in these in both these incidences. I, no, I, I just agree, think, yeah. I just think in terms of you running an organization properly, the top level in when it comes to this should be involved. I know people will disagree because they say business, business, business. This is business. I don't care. Like, don't people conflate business with being directly involved with money? Business is how a business is run, and that goes with every part of it and i think very much this is part of a running an organization that is a business yeah i agree like this is all part of the organizations with everything where um they have to kind of show a sense of responsibility for it saying okay this is part of our team and this is something that happens so you know it's on us the washington capitals to say that let's release a statement here or like the hershey bears like let's release a statement here let's actually say something immediately and that let's not let's not just wait on it let's let's put some heart in you and unlike the nhl remember when remember when the rangers last year put out the statement um after the tom wilson stuff yeah i mean that wasn't necessary necessarily it wasn't it it really wasn't they didn't have to go public with that because but they don't have to go public with this either. So, but they should like. <laughs> Here's what's the thing about the ECHL, right? Is because of, again, as you mentioned, teams didn't. I, I, so uh, uh, Michael McNiven, right? Um, had a hard time getting a spot in the AHL for Montreal. And there was a year where he played the ECHL. He had to be loaned. 
you got to fight for a spot there. And you're fighting not to get an NHL spot. You're fighting an AHL spot. And remember how at rookie tournaments every year, there's one guy that gets hurt because some dummy brains a guy thinking that's going to get me a spot. If you're in the ECHL, you know what's really going to get you noticed? What's going to get you a spot? That stuff. Really? Give your head a shake. What a, oh, what a garbage human being. Sorry. To, now to talk about the Boku Amana stuff. First off, I'm going to read the quote-unquote apology from Christoph Hrabeck. Uh There's two different photos here. So just give me a second. Um, I am ashamed of today's events and embarrassed by the actions that led to my suspension. I want everyone to know that I'm very sorry for what occurred and take full responsibility for my actions. Okay, first off, he mentions a mama's name later. Doesn't mention him to start. But you know what? Overall, not a bad way to start the apology. Okay, whatever. People should know that I had absolutely no inappropriate intent. The gesture was made in the heat of battle. And while I didn't mean anything racist by what I did, I realize now through my own ignorance that my gesture could be interpreted. I alone am responsible for that. It was terrible, and I make no excuse. You just did. It was terrible. I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, and I make no excuses. Uh, when I heard about Boko's um, reaction to the gesture, I was horrified by what I had done. Boko is a player I respect, and I am so sorry for putting him through this situation. I sent a personal apology to Boko and sincerely hope that he will forgive me. I also want to uh, apologize to the American Hockey League, the San Jose Barracuda, the Tucson Roadrunners, and to my teammates for my unacceptable actions. I fully accept the consequences of my actions, and I'm not appealing the decision imposed by the AHL. I am working with Anson Carter, Kim Davis, and the NHL's Player Inclusion Committee to participate in education and training on racism and inclusion. I know I will be judged by my future conduct. If given the opportunity, I would do everything in my power to atone for my actions and lead by example. Listen, the end of that, I want to show I have receipts. Fine. The start of it, I'm sorry. No excuses. Fine. But then making excuses. Guys. It's the middle part. It's like, uh, it sounds like a whole different letter of what he was saying initially. What in the world? Making a gesture like a monkey towards a person of color. What is that supposed to mean? What else am I supposed to interpret that as other than a racist action? I, I, yeah. What, what am I missing? You know, like, I, I, I'm doing an English minor. I do a lot of creative, like, reading and writing. Yeah. I know meanings between stuff, symbolism. There aren't a lot of different ways to interpret what you were doing, buddy. What, please, guys, like, what, am, I I, am I crazy? No, I don't think you're crazy. I was actually going to bring up that same point. Like, I'm just, you know, he lost me in the middle. He completely lost me in in the middle with with that. Like, great, you're gonna do all these things, and and I think I'm all for second chances. And as long as he comes out with this with the receipts, I I just to that middle part where it's like I the intent, but what does that like? What I'm curious, as you said, what do you think that meant? No, like, what were you doing there? 
What were what? He's the battle too. Oh, he's that's such battle? a lazy. I, I, a, such a, that's a lazy excuse. Yeah, are you in the trenches yeah. of the Somme in World War One? What that, are you talking about? That's a lazy excuse. Sure, I, I read like Boku it. and Mama statement. Uh, yep. Sure, yeah. This is via Twitter. I've been dealing with situations like this my entire life. As a person of color playing youth hockey through junior and now twice as a professional, this keeps happening to me over and over again. We have enough to worry about as a pro hockey player, and it saddens me when anyone has to deal with these types of issues. It's frustrating and disheartening that this is still going on in 2021. 2022, sorry. Even though I honestly believe the sport has made positive strides, we still have a long way to go to educate the ignorant and to make hockey a safe place for everyone. My hope is that people learn from this and that uh, same and uh, sorry, and that someday hockey will truly be for everyone. That's the last part. My hope is that people learn from this and that someday hockey is for everyone. Because it's from someone's personal experience explaining that it isn't, and it, no more proof than the last week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I like that the AHL did. They they're for they're that the ECHL hasn't done yet, but they're they're making. Um, sorry, what's his name again? The the offender. Uh, you're on mute, Adam. Uh, Christoph Krabic. Yes, him. He's going through that that uh, the NHL's uh, diversity program. That's smart. That's what I've been asked. That's what we've been saying should be done in these incidences. Having these programs set up. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else, guys? We're sure we move on. It's do better um, do better people you know what i i don't know if i'm asking for too much here but when remember uh in the bubble when uh not the george floyd my god i don't what happened after george floyd rihanna taylor or no <sighs> when they did the press conference during the black lives matter protest oh, yeah, uh, yeah. When, oh, oh. when the nba uh canceled like a day of game or a couple few days of games yeah and then the nhl had their press conference and at the front was each conference had uh different players but in the west it had about almost everybody was there and then yeah. in the east it was the four it was, it was just the, the captains four of, of each yeah. team yeah it was like i think i'd hope for this time around we have a response similar to what the west did um in terms of it, just people speaking out not just the people of color speaking out because that doesn't clearly clearly that hasn't gotten us anywhere because these incidents are happening time and time and time again if we just had you know like the leaders of the game it whether it's in the nhl ahl or echl speak out about this and say hey this is wrong that would be extremely helpful i can't wait till mcdavid says it is what it is Oh my gosh! Too busy losing the care, probably. I, I can't wait till the NHL put hashtag end racism on the the jumbotron and we get a crappy video package for a week. What was it? They just did it for that round. Yeah, and it just said end racism. Uh, yeah, on uh, the jumbotrons. Bush League, and then the HDA, they were like, "We're trying," and the league are like, "Cool, we don't want any part of it." Disgusting. 
Um, again, always a hard turn to make, um, but one we're making regardless. Um, hopefully we can have a bit of fun with the rest of the show. Um, first off, actually, you know, get this out the way because it's, uh, it's not as heavy, but it's still kind of wild. One of the teams that they're considering Evander Kane, this is also reported on 32 Thoughts, Hockey Night in Canada edition, uh, the Capitals. Uh, this is kind of confusing because the Capitals, if you remember back to the bubble, funny enough, talking about that, um, it wasn't great for them. They were accused of partying in the bubble and not taking it very seriously. Um, and they're looking to add a Vander Kane, which is the thought, ah, Ovi will settle him down. Yeah, it just it kind of caught me off guard. Uh, maybe I haven't been following the Capitals enough to know what has changed, but it just caught me off guard that the Capitals would be interested. I um, in a way kind of saw it as like just I guess based on where the guy is in his career, like off ice thing is always going to be there. But I think about two guys that not necessarily have the same background with things, but they were able to go to the Capitals and they were able to kind of reinvent themselves in terms of what they are on the ice. So in terms of actual controversy, it was Mike Richards when the LA Kings bought him out and he managed to find a bit of a role again on the Capitals. So I think that's one comparison I make with Evander Kane. And I think the second one is a guy who just kind of been a bit of in a rut and, you know, he's struggling now, but at the time it was good. And it was Brett Conley where they were able to kind of get him, you know, skilled guy, big body and try to settle him down and just let him play his game. So for me, it's something where I'm like, the Capitals have done this before. So it's something that I think, you know, is a, is a possibility with Evander Kane. May I explain why they're interested? Sure. Okay. Uh, so the Caps obviously had a great start to the year. Um, they're, they've kind of faltered off a little bit because they fall into the wild card. They're four, they're going to make the playoffs. They're 4-4-2 four, four, and two in their last 10. Do you know a certain who, – who is this player? The last time I played was October 20 uh, – sorry, November 4th. Big acquisition. Probably can score big body. Oh, is the it? exact type of player Evander Kane is. is it and Anthony we're missing Ma- him. Is it Anthony Mantha? Anthony Mantha. Oh, wow. I didn't even know he was missing. Yeah, he's been. Uh, the reason I know that is because playing NHL with Mike, I'll get the Capitals, and I have to put Mantha in. Um, unfortunately, that's I think is pretty. Remember how I I really think the Habs drafted Mayu because they had lost significant parts of their right defense, aka Flurry mm-hmm. and Weber. Um, obviously, I don't agree, agree with the Mayu thing. Never will. Um, same like I don't agree bringing Vander Gate in, um, but it's it's because he fits a role that the Capitals like to have in players. And I guess they think, ah, Ovi will... Listen, is Ovechkin going to scream and if he messes up? Yeah, he does it to everyone, but I still don't think he should have a roster spot. Um, Okay, the rest of this for the show was going to be fun. It's Habs, it's Leafs, and it's talking about Team Canada. Uh, The full roster is expected to be revealed on Tuesday, that being reported by Jeff Merrick. Um, And we have some of the names that uh, we should expect to see. Um, I'm going to read a Scott Wheeler tweet in a second because he also has some of them, but these are who Merrick talked about. Uh, Eric Stahl, Habs legend, love to see it. Um, Owen Power, Mister, if they can get the World Juniors done in the summer, might be a, like a member of triple gold before he hits the NHL. How funny is that? Um, Devin Levi, famously from that Team Canada uh, World Juniors last year, uh, who lost to Cole Caulfield and the Americans. Uh, Kent Johnson, interesting name. 
Uh, Jack McBain, a guy playing, I think it was one, I forget which Michigan team it is. Um, Mason McTavish, obviously big part of Team Canada at the World Juniors. And then from Scott Wheeler, uh, sources I'm told the following players are among those who have been named to Team Canada's final men's Olympic hockey roster. Mentions Kent Johnson, um, mentions Eric Stahl already, Owen Power. Um, some other names here. Adam Cracknell, that's a guy who's just always around, isn't it? Marley's legend. Yeah. David DeHarnay. Wow. My man. The, the former, former first line half. center of the yeah. Montreal Canadiens. Him and Pacioretty were great together. Uh, Landon Ferraro. Uh, Daniel Winnick. Wow. Uh, These are some names. Habs legend Daniel Carr. <laughs> Habs legend Mark Barbario. <laughs> and Jason Demers. So I just want to point out that as of right now, there shouldn't be four former Canadians making the team. So say what you want. Bergevin could develop Olympic caliber talent. No, he couldn't. But um, <laughs> Team Canada, it's starting to form up, guys. I'm actually excited for this one because um, I mentioned it before where they went with just a lot of the KHL guys or other guys in other leagues last time. And it was a bit of an older roster. And then for some reason, it was a big thing when um, the Americans brought in Troy Terry. It's like, oh, is it a young guy? Uh, We don't know. But now it's suddenly it's like just bring every top NCAA guy we have and, and put him on the roster. Kind of silly. That was the thing against the Americans, I remember. Yeah. yeah. Like, what are you doing? But uh, but yeah, no further guy. Obviously, I know like we're talking about Cam, but you just reminded me of that. Yeah. Um go ahead. I was gonna no, move I, on. I was just gonna say, like, I like I like the idea of bringing guys. I don't know much about Kent Johnson, but in terms of Owen Power and Mason McTavish, well, Mason McTavish did have some NHL time, and I'm sure Owen Power is a former first overall pick, and I'm sure could step into the Buffalo Sabres right now uh, with no issue. So I think sending these guys to the Olympics would uh, is going to be quite interesting. Okay, I want to admit to something, Daniel. Make your point again. I completely, I was, I was looking at setting up the next segment, and I completely zoned out what Daniel was saying. Please, please say it again. I'm so. Okay, sorry. no problem. Um, so when we looked back on Pyeongchang in 2018, and we looked at what Canada brought there, you know, I was excited. They had a lot of former guys that I grew up with, like you know, Voltek Volsky or um, Ben Scrivens, but uh, yeah the way they're trying to build this team now is there's a lot of upside there where you have what was, what used to be kind of a controversial thing where it's like, Oh, we're going to bring these young NCAA guys in to suddenly we're going to bring every top NCAA prospect there is on each team. Okay. And sorry. Okay. That's what I thought you said, but I, I, for a second, I thought you had mentioned the Americans as well. And I just basically, I I did. I did. Cause I, um, Troy Terry was the example because when he was, added onto the team they're like hmm you're gonna add this young guy or um even Rasmus Dahlin he was on the Swedish team and everyone was saying like oh why are you bringing all these young guys now everyone is bringing their young guys I thought the Americans at Pyeongchang were criticized because they didn't bring enough NCAA guys and then well I don't know how many Americans are even like how many great Americans are just hanging around Switzerland or something right now I don't know um it's weird that Canada are taking so long, by the way, because the Americans have had their roster out forever. Uh, I can't wait for Eric Stahl to be the captain, by the way. I'd love it because I, I think I've said this story before on the pod, yeah. but remember he was on, th- on the 2010 team. Mm-hmm. And then before the 
2014 Olympics, he was on the Cheerios box, but he didn't make the Canadian team in 2014, but they jumped the gun and put him on the cereal box. You better have gotten some royalties for that. Uh, okay. But yeah, Canada, excited to see what happens there. Um, hopefully Caden Gooley makes the team. Oh, Siri, go away. I don't want to talk to you. Okay. Whoops. It's gone. Moving on. We'll talk later, Siri. Daniel? We will talk later to Siri. Don't worry. I, 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 I see your lips moving, but I can't hear you. What? Oh, I'm scared. Can Alex, talk? Can you see oh, me scary. now? No, no. Well, you're Ooh. good, Daniel. Ooh, my mic isn't working for some reason. Oh, I've Daniel. muted myself. I muted my mic as I turned Siri. Uh, Hi, guys. <laughs> can you hear us now? Yes, I can. Sorry, Let's Siri. Sorry's retribution. That's what no, happened. Siri, so we'll, we'll talk to Siri later. I want Cortana. Or the weapon, if you played Halo Infinite. Great game. Alex, we haven't played it yet, right? No. It's free with Game Pass. Play it. I don't have Game Pass. It's not to buy it again. I know, but I don't even play my I haven't turned my Xbox. Okay, on so this like is like playing throwing it off here, but like I remember like it was really fun for a few months. And then with Game Pass, I'm like, I got really busy. Then I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is actually kind of a waste of money for mm-hmm. a few months. <laughs> well. Let's talk about the Leafs. Sure. They Let's didn't blow that. a lead. Uh, oh, they had originally, Alex had a funny, what was it four blown leads in five games on the road trip? Or yeah, like? that was when they played the Rangers. That was just yeah. an awesome night. And Sheldon Keith basically called out the team for being soft and uh, having no purpose. I have never seen a coach, like a Maple Leafs coach. Uh, and I'm just trying to think of the coaches I've, I've seen. Uh, Ron Wilson, Peter Horacek. Randy Carlisle. Yes, there it is. The legend. Um, I think what Shane and Mike Bapp- did was yeah. take a lesson out of his former coach. I think he was coached by Tortorella before. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where he got it from. This was <laughs> this is the tweet. But if you hear him say it, it's even funnier. Uh, we got exposed today for being a team that was just soft, soft and purposeless, and just kind of playing the game, hoping it was going to work out. Can I tell you something about that when I heard that? Tell me. Everything I saw on Twitter where they just emphasize soft. And then people said, never forget 2013 game seven. That Randy Carlisle, like in the final five minutes of the third period, rolled out Fraser McLaren and Colton Orr. Uh, certainly. That's tough in one way or another. I thought I thought it wasn't worse than putting Patrick Marlowe or like forty year old Patrick Marlowe out there in the last two minutes against Boston in uh, 2018. I had another one. I had another one there that um sorry because you mentioned Randy Carlisle. Yeah, I remember his third pairing was Corbini and Holzer and Keith Ollie. Holzer was in this league far longer than he should have been. Because Anaheim were just like, here you go. Yes. Now they have that with I, Habs legend Nick, De, Nick Le Delorier. Yeah, he's around. That's weird. Uh, by the way, yeah. shout out to Corey Perry finally getting his return game. Uh, oh, my gosh. Stick- I have the story. Oh, I, I have the story there. Okay. This is a funny story because the Ducks put a video where it's like, he didn't get to uh, play last time, but he greeted us in the locker room on his first return back to Anaheim. And it's because he was suspended from the Winter Classic for five games. So he didn't actually make his first return to the Ducks when he was a Dallas star because of the suspension. So the video is literally him walking into the Ducks locker room, just shaking everybody's hand, and he's in a suit. 
I hope they did something properly for that game. I didn't watch it. He did. It was a really nice tribute. He got a, a standing ovation. Um, even prior to the game, during like the um, warm-ups, everyone had the Corey Perry stuff on the ice. Like everybody, like on the ice, on like they were just showing it, and, yeah. and that say, was nice. Turned around really quickly and huh, throwing it's, things on the ice. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Like I, I mentioned it before the pod, but it's one of those moments where like your childhood is truly over when you see Getzlaff and Perry skating to get beside each other in different jerseys. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, and obviously he didn't get to go last year because he played in the Canadian division. Yeah. yeah. Never forget. Oh, I miss him so much. Uh, but no good for him. Uh, going back to the Leafs. Though, yes. Which the game, game against, talk about? Uh, well, I think the Islanders game sort of negates. We can talk about Sandine if you want. Um, uh, obviously, he, I don't think that pairing was great against the Rangers in the back half of it. Obviously, I didn't get to watch the Islanders game because Montreal and Colorado were having some fun. But um, if we could talk about that first. Afterwards, I just want to talk about Mrazic. And I sure. want to talk about Islanders and Leafs fans for a little bit. Also, I have a hypothetical I want to ask you guys that the I put best, in the doc and probably should have forgotten to the, the take it off fan, and surprise you with. But, the yeah. best fan bases in the league. Yeah, no, no I think I think I think one of them is being a bit dramatic and it's not the Islanders fans, but I'll talk about that in a second. Um, Wait a second. Leaf fans being dramatic. That's not a thing. I don't think they get enough attention. Leafs on Twitter. Alex. I mean, Dan, please don't. So (laughs) Let's just, let's just uh, talk to me about Sandine and and Lilligren. Were they better in the second game? The Islanders. Yeah. I mean, I think the team as a whole um, was better. In the second game, like I think those two in particular had a rough, rough night against the Rangers, as did that third pairing of Travis Dermott and Alex Biega, like my lord. But I think going into the Islanders game, uh, a, a lot of the players responded quite uh, well to that quote from Sheldon Grief is what I think I'll say. W- was it a perfect game? No, no. Is any game ever perfect unless you're the Tampa Bay Lightning? Probably not. But I just think it was such a much better outing than the Rangers and, you know, their last few games. Like, it's just, I understand teams blow leads. It was just extremely frustrating to watch a team of this caliber blow lead after lead after lead in like four of five games. And the one game they didn't blow lead was against the second worst team in the NHL. That's why it was a concerning stretch. Yeah, I think, you know, for the way the Islanders played this year, I know they're not necessarily at the level they were for the last two years, but still a good team. So for me, it was a good indication that they took the quote in stride and they were able to keep a lead against a generally good quality team. So I'm not saying that this is going to end everything, but it is... A good stop from what happened from the previous games, even the ones they won, like St. Louis. It's always a moral victory for that team if you beat the Islanders at home. I uh, forget about how good or bad the Islanders have been this year. Uh, it's it's a it's a big win to stand up for your captain. Um, obviously, the relationship that's going on there. Um, yeah, a note on Peter Morazic, he gets easily his best performance, aka they won, and his save percentage was in the nines. I think last time Peter Mrazic played, I came on the podcast and I said it was just difficult to watch, he not did. because he's a bad goalie, but because he's all over the place. He was not all over the place last night. I felt somewhat calm. 
Was it the change in equipment? I don't know what it was, Daniel. It might have been the change pads. in equipment, but I just it, 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 I just felt at ease in terms of g- goaltending last night. So we could finally say John Tavares is better than Matt Barzell based on what I was seeing on Twitter in terms of the stats this year. Okay. Well, off. yeah, this year, I think so. Yes. <laughs> no, that was the thing that was circulating where um, they said like, we don't need him. And then they showed those stats. Well, I'm not I mean, saying I support that. I'm just saying that that was an example of what Adam was saying about Leafs fans on Twitter. I mean, see, here's the simple fact is, okay, Bar- Tavares is, you know what, we'll see how Barzell's career, Barzell's wicked. Not a great year, but you know what, under an offensive coach, I would love to see what Barzell can do, um, but it's been a bad year. Uh, Tavares very well could be, Barzell not yet hasn't proven it, but Tavares could easily be a Hall of Famer uh, at the end of his career. What? Okay. Wait, say that again. Tavares could be a Hall of Famer. <laughs> okay. If you want to, I, I had people in my family ask me, he's like, who has a better shot of getting in, Price or Tavares? Is it Price. Price. Why? I'm like, neither yeah, of a yeah. cup. Price has individual hardware. Tavares doesn't. Oh, yeah. Is that's, that like... Disca- that's simple. Wait, wait. Is that like a question, a popular question? No, my, just, no. It was oh, okay. Just, okay. okay. Yeah. okay. Oh, yeah. I, like, circulated? I think my mom asked. I'm like, oh, okay. okay. I'm like, oh, my God. Yes. I'd no, love price. to see Tavares' I, MVP in Lou Marsh. Oh, wait. Oh, there's a controversial one I saw. It's like, who would get in? Carey, like, who would get in first? Carey Price or Corey Crawford? No. That's the one I saw online before. I, I don't want to talk about that because Crawford might get in. But Price should be there before. I'd I'd be very mad if Crawford got in before Carey Price. No, no offense. Respect the cups. Uh, debate for another day. Yeah, anyway. Corey Perry should get in before Jeff Carter. Um, I have to look at their individual career. Well, probably Perry. He's an MVP. Yeah. No, Roger Richard. Yeah. Two yeah, gold Perry. medals. Yeah, oh, 100%. Yeah, no, Perry should definitely be up there. Uh, is he a triple gold club? Does he have a world junior? Yeah, he is. Yeah. And a world he has a world club? junior, yeah. And then um, he was the captain of the team when they won the gold medal, the world championships. Man, if you say Brendan Gallagher shouldn't be the captain and Corey Perry won, was the one at one time, then maybe we stop having that. Okay, so here's what I want to talk about mainly because the thing I saw really when the backlash of Twitter from last night's Leafs game wasn't that they won. It was the Islanders crowd. Okay, guys, I want to talk about this for a second. Because first off, Daniel, you mentioned the we don't need you thing. Obviously, the comparison has been made that Tavares hasn't won a playoff round since leaving the Isles. Uh, the Islanders have been to two conference champions uh, championships. They've you know pushed Tampa to seven. Uh, very well, if they had gotten past them, could have beaten Montreal. Um, it, it, it's realistic. Okay. I find it a little rich that the same night the joke going around was we didn't blow a 3-1 lead, that they are making fun of Islanders fans for continuing to boo the guy who walked away. I just thought that's a little rich. And I don't have Welcome a dog. Welcome to hockey. I, I <laughs> My- thought that was little. I'm like, okay, let's get our priorities straight here, guys. I've just given up on uh, hockey fans. I just think there were hypocrites all around that, like, uh, what's the point of even... Like talking about it, it's just if, if it's Matthews quite left, hypocritical. Right? Yes, Matthews isn't going to leave for Arizona, but if he mm-hmm. did the exact same way Tavares did, yep, he would be upset. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. I'm not denying. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not arguing. You're that. I'm, you're a level-headed Leafs fan. I am. No, I'm just. I'm yeah. saying. I think we as hockey fans 
and I think the three of us know this, but you know, like there's a group I'm talking to in each fan base is just so hypocritical that like, it doesn't surprise me what comes out of Twitter, hockey, Twitter anymore. I just exhausting. There's a reason why, why the Islanders fans are so great. Like, listen, there could be a superstar one day. Like I love Kakinemi. I love the fact he scored the game six goal. I'm going to boo him. if I see him in person. I have a Pacioretty jersey. I'm going to boo him in person because I don't like the way they left the team. Kakinemi, they screwed around with him. He signed an offer sheet. Again, Alex has admitted. Matthew Skewer with the grace of, of everything behind him. He still left in that situation. He left. I don't. I yeah, listen. I, I don't. I, I don't I, get on John Tavares. I appreciate. Like I respect how he like not how he left because he probably should have left them know. But it was his choice. I respect that, and I respect the Islanders fans for having their right to chant what they want. If you want to call him a snake, call him a snake. He left. I would be mad too. I'm mad that he didn't give Montreal a meeting. You think I feel bad that they beat the Leafs? No, I felt great about it. I don't feel great that Tavares got hurt. Obviously, I'm not that guy. I don't feel bad that the Leafs lost because they're one of their best players didn't give my team the time of day. That's just being a fan. Get over it. I just oh, It's like calling Islanders fans childish. This is sports. Come on. It always happens. Well, I, th- I, I will stick up for some Leaf fans here because I think I must. I think it's this is just let's remember what Islanders fans have done in the past. I'm not saying they're they don't get it wrong. They are childish. So are Lee fans. Pajama but like, boy. But like they are. And it's not pajamas. It's, it's sheets, man. Like I'll use your eyes, but whatever. I just think, listen, every fan base calls every other fan base childish. Like to me, it's just. I mean, that's my defense. I don't have a defense. I'm just here. So I'm, I'm ripping on these fans, but to rip on, to make Islanders fans feel a little bad, they've yeah. won, they've, they've won a cup by now if he didn't leave, right? With what Barry Trotz did to that team. Oh, yeah. Uh, probably, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I think so. Barzell, Tavares, Epperle there. Like, oh, they, they, for sure. They're cup champ. Okay. No, that Islanders fans. You can boo them. I'd boo them too because I think they would have won with them. 100%. I th- there's for sure. I don't even know like how to debate that. I like to say that okay, this we could move on after this, but just to a much much lesser extent. I was angry when Justin Schultz didn't sign with Anaheim. I yeah, hundred percent. He used the uh, NCAA loop, even though he promised that he was going to sign with the team after university. Man, do you think if Jordan Harris leaves Montreal, I'm not going to be upset about it? Do you, the moment they they the moment they drafted Paling and Caulfield, I was scared they would leave via um, the NCAA thing. I, I'm worried about it to this day. When when he got sent down, I was worried I was going to leave, and I wouldn't blame him for the way Montreal handled him this year. Uh, I would still say I'd still be upset. I'd still boo him when he came back because he wanted to, to go. You know, there's that there's a pride in having for you know being a fan and uh the islanders are just one of those fan bases that just they're prideful sarah the leafs you know what I'd, I'd rather the i would much rather the islanders boo players and have that sort of zest behind them than a dead arena arizona oh i agree okay. yeah absolutely i agree okay so the deadline's coming up 
I think David Pignotta was saying that the Leafs are trying to move on from some players. We already know they're trying to clear up room. Who are some targets that they could go after at the trade deadline? And I will not mention a certain number eight in Montreal. I think it's quite in my eyes. I think we had this conversation a couple months ago, actually, when they were like at the peak of when they were good. Um, I think no matter what, they need at least two defensemen. Um, I agree. I think they need to find a way to bring in a right-handed top four defenseman, which is difficult. I'm not saying it's easy. Like I think no offense to Justin Hall, just put someone else next to Jake Muzzin. I think it, it. we were talking about has Jake Muzzin, you know, is he overcompensating for Justin Hall not being Justin Hall? I think that's a factor. And if you put a legitimate piece or a better piece next to Jake Muzzin, it, it'll work both ways. Jake Muzzin will look better and Jake Muzzin also won't have to overcompensate. They also need a seventh defenseman. That's not Carl Dahlstrom or, um, Alex Biega. I had two examples when it came to that because I agreed that they need two defensemen, and I know this is, com- this is this is probably pretty difficult to do. But I thought of buying low on Eric Brandstrom for the Leafs. I I, I don't know why Melnick does not. You know what? I'll, I'll let you finish because like they've they they haven't developed him properly. Um, he has been in the doghouse quite a few times, and I think that in maybe a reduced role and probably just getting more guidance in terms of playing with more vets. I think that would work out. Um, and I know he said, I said Edmonton, but I I'm like, I wouldn't mind if Mark Giordano, like 50% retained somehow goes to the Leafs as like a rental. Well, I, you talk about who's a guy that has a different sort of game to play with Muzzin and he's right-handed. I'm like, Oh, okay. John Klingberg. That's oh, a that, oh, okay. that's just a lot. One. Yeah, like, that's a that, yeah, that's yeah. A, <laughs> but they need to no, win a round. No, no, you're absolutely right. Like I, I just didn't think John Clint. Like from what he's I probably read, probably going to Carolina. He, that's yeah, number one, he's probably going to Carolina. But I just, I don't, I think they need someone who's very defensive minded. I have an absolute name in mind. I just, I don't think it's gonna happen. I just thought of the cost too with the Klingberg because, like, in terms of the money, in terms of the security, and you know. For a player, an impact player like that, I expect the Leafs to. We we brought it up before, like, but like you know, maybe a Rodion Amirov has to be traded in that situation. I don't think Klingberg's values at that point. I, I think Dallas may have pinched it a bit benching him. I don't think you're giving up Amirov. I think if you were signing and extending him, which I don't see the Leafs doing, um, but I maybe a bit different. But and Alex, who's your who's your big name? It's not a big name. It's just a name that I think would fit perfectly. You say Joss Manson, I'm quitting the call. <laughs> I know it's not going to happen, but like that would, I think that that's for me. If you have Riley Brody, Muzzin Manson, I don't hate that. Like, I don't hate that at all. It's just, I don't think it's realistic that Anaheim sells him at the deadline. Well, here's the thing with Anaheim, right? They're in, they're in the chase. So if I'm Anaheim, you know, the, the next step in a guy like Trevor Zegras is to get him playoff games, right? Yeah. Same with John Gibson. He's been around a while. He's played in the playoffs before, but you know what I mean? You, you yeah. want to get him, prove to him that we're competitive, right? They go on a run. Um, I know there's the St. Louis approach of, you know, maybe we look at, see what we could get for a Lindholm and a Manson. 
if I'm Anaheim, man, I'm going for it. Like, I'm not going to pay stupid prices to bring a guy in, but if I'm them, I'm going for it, damn it. I think yeah. the players have earned it. Oh, for um, sure. But no, that would be a, that's so Leafs Twitter. I love it. Um, so, you know, is your Donald's there? Um, I do have Eric Branstrom on the very preliminary, preliminary version of the big board. Um, every time I say that word, I can just sense the guys just sit back. I'm like, is he going to pull it off? Okay. <laughs> um, the Habs. Uh, they allowed, I think it was 50 goal, 50 shots in their last, in the, in their last three games, the first two, it was like, then it was around 40 something against Colorado. Uh, they fought back against Colorado, to be honest. Um, wasn't a great first period. They were just clearly getting outskated by a better team fight back. But ultimately the abs, I guess, you know, it's really funny. So Caden Primo's first ever game was against the Colorado avalanche three, two overtime loss. Gabriel Landeskog scores the game winner. Last night was at the game. I never shut up about it. Um, last night, Caden Primo, over 40 saves, sensational, loses 3-2 in overtime to the Colorado Avalanche. And Gabriel Landscock scores the goal. Not to say it. Um, but it, it's um just some quick stuff of Montreal. Jake Allen's out eight weeks. Great. That sucks. Yeah. 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 Uh, so for Sam Mottenbow is out. For now, we don't exactly know what's up with him. So who is who are the goalies? Primo and, and McNiven. Wow, he is will get McNiven going to actually play will, this time? He won't get not. his chance. He will get his chance. He just I want him to get. Maybe it was a new regime. Hopefully, <laughs> um, and there's another goalie. This is the update to do with Carey Price. Uh, he should be back on the ice training in around two weeks. So everything is going um, to plan. He wants to play this season. Hope there is no, uh, sorry. Hope is that swelling won't reappear in his knee. <laughs> I want to say McNiven C E C H L time. They're on. <laughs> everyone's gone. Um, obviously Gallagher and Byron are apparently waiting for the team to come back from the road trip because they've also been on a massive trip like the Leafs have. Yeah. Um, two things I really want to talk about here is first off, um, I think the last since the Dallas game. You know, these have probably been some of the more interesting stretches because Montreal, at least, you've seen a lot of effort, a lot of jump in their step. Uh, two players that I think are really showing that they want to be on the team. Uh, and I think there's a, a serious debate going on if you keep one of them. Uh, the other one you probably hold on to, he's probably going to be captain because it's actually been, uh, Kent Hughes was doing media and confirmed the Habs will have a new captain next year. Um, Nick Suzuki. Mm-hmm. My voices oh. gave out going to the key, Suzuki. <laughs> the other guy is Tyler Toffoli who he's finally back from his injury. He's looked great. I thought he was a bit disengaged from the start of the year. I guess the injury was worse than we thought. Um, Toffoli is a very interesting case because if you're Montreal, you don't go scorched earth because I don't think you need to. But I still, I wonder where, how do you measure the value of keeping? And I don't think you have to trade Toffoli this year. He'll have two years next next year. So if you want to really optimize the value, maybe you do it then. Or if it's a draft movie, he's probably not gone to the deadline. Um, but it's at least encouraging around Montreal to see that there are players clearly playing to show they want to be there in a time where we're halfway through the season and it feels like it's watching death on skates sometimes. It's as a fan, when you look for the positives in a very negative season, there's encouragement there. I guess is what I'm trying yeah. to get at. I think Mike Hoffman wouldn't be captain. <laughs> no. Okay. I, I, I think it, to the sun. <laughs> I think it is important that you want 
guys um, who want to be there. Like I saw Josh Anderson had a quote uh, last week saying he came to Montreal to win and he will stick it out. I think something was the quote. I don't know. Obviously he's injured now, but the idea that players do want to uh, be there despite this is a good sign um, in terms of moving forward for the future. Like guys want to be here to help with the buildup. I want to ask, I was curious about Suzuki though, not like the whole captain thing. I want to phrase this question carefully because we've seen young captains before. I, 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 I Do you think he is ready is my question. I think you're going to see a lot the rest of this season to show, show his maturity. Mm-hmm. Um, he's always been the guy that some of the, the, the other members of the team have said he's always there when we're down bad. Um, right. He's always been a strong guy there. Um, you wish it was a year later they would make that decision because next year is when his contract kicks in. Uh, what that pressure is going to be like. Hopefully he performs better than he did for me in NHL 22, where I traded him because he didn't have an, he didn't have a point for two rounds of the playoffs. Uh, minus four, stripped him of the sea and then sent him into the sun. Signed Sebastian Naho. Anyway, um, well, here's the thing. If you're thinking about who can be captain of the Montreal Canadiens, I think two obvious answers come to mind. One is Suzuki. And the other one, well, it depends on his future, is Brendan Gallagher. Um, Gallagher, I think, would be ready. It's just, I would see it's better to move him, uh, in my opinion. So is Suzuki ready? I think you'll see how he handles the downstretch of the year to determine that. Maybe what the Habs are thinking that exact same thing. But you also got to remember is when Kent Hughes did his media availability and he was asked about you know, the team in general and the roster, he mentioned two players by name um, about interesting pieces, Caulfield and Suzuki. So he's in their mind. You know, there's... Suzuki's a good player, right. um, and he's a confident dude. Doesn't seem like a lot bothers him too much. He's a great two-way player. We'll see. I can't say for now, obviously, but I think you see very much by the end of the year. I agree. Like I think if they're going to go the long-term approach of something and just have a guy who's going to be a foundational piece for them, I could see Nick Suzuki taking the C now and having two very strong assistant captains in Tyler Toffoli, Josh Anderson, um, even put in Brendan Gallagher there too, if he's not moved. So amidst the season, I like that this type of news is coming out that you have these guys that want to stay, that love the rich history and the culture of the team. So I think that that's a good thing that's in place for now. What they have to be careful of is, like Anderson, I, I feel like Anderson, like he gets ripped on a lot from outside Montreal. I don't get it. Anderson, I think you could move him because they people worship the ground that type of player walks on. Gallagher, you can move. You're probably have to take some salary back. Toffoli, I don't think would be a problem. If they all want to stay, that's great. But I think at some point you have to make if Ben Sherrod says he wants to stay, that sucks. You're going. Like get, I swear, <laughs> if they don't trade him. Um he also, I just got to think, I hope that Kent Hughes realizes at some point, and I think Jeff Gordon probably will make sure this happens because he obviously saw what happened in New York, being a good team but wanting to be truly great. Um, they got to move some people. Like, I think Jonathan Druin needs to be gone at the draft. Um, like, just get him a new start. Get him a new start. Um, and I think there were more changes than we realized coming in Montreal. There's whispers they may have a new jersey next year. If it's an alternative jersey after the whole – 
kerfuffle with that blue retro reverse. I'm surprised. I wonder if they try and spice up one of their home ones, which is or the home one, because I I think they've changed the logo twice in history. Um, it just feels like I, I wonder if off the ice there's a lot really changing in Montreal, like uh, like philo- philosophically. I, I feel I wonder if they're going to be a much much different team, like from above Jeff Gorin, like from Molson downwards, or yeah. do you think from workplace like a hockey management perspective everywhere? everywhere. I feel like there's going to be a complete change in culture around the organization. It just that it's that kind of feeling. I think it's needed. Yeah. You, I look at the Hurricanes and the Storm Surge. I'm like, how fun is it to just be around that team? And I wonder if Kent Hughes is sort of having a goal if that's what I wanted to be. Because, you know, obviously Gordon talked a lot about hockey and the sort of building the analytics department and all that. Right. Kent Hughes has talked a lot about workplace and open-mindedness in that. Um, and just so that's, that's interesting. He's been very much a, a culture guy, if you know what I mean. Um, much different from Bergman. There's always yeah. hockey culture, hockey culture, and it was uh, just – you didn't do anything, my man. So I, uh, I, I just, we're not going to see a lot of that change overnight and even on the public face of it, but there's already stuff changing. Like, like again, Chantel Machembe. Uh, apparently it was revealed that her France, Margaret Bellingay, um, obviously was given a much bigger role in the Canadians organization over the summer were indeed behind the uh, aesthetic of the press conference. So um, you can tell it's things are changing. Things are changing very, very quickly. Um, but I'm just saying like there, there feels like there's a culture change coming in Montreal. And it's, it's much, it's welcome. You respect traditions, like don't get rid of fix you or Michelle Lacroix, but um, let's just say like, you know, it feels like um, we're really going to know what the Montreal Canadians are about soon. Brighter days yeah. are coming. Yeah. Um, maybe not on the ice. For a couple of years, but uh, we'll take it off the ice. Just make what it it, what's that quote again? Um, it it's so good that it hurts, but like that's the good thing about a retool and a rebuild. Hey, yeah, man. I mean, just be competitive, get a good puck in Montreal, and uh, life is good. That's everything. Um, before we end, I have an update. It's not everything. Breaking news? Yeah. No, it's not breaking. Well, I mean, I guess it's like an hour old, but scale yeah, just one to ten. How significant? Um, I'm not sure. It's just a it's a statement from the Jacksonville Iceman, a new one. Oh, no. Uh, th- so this is from their CEO, Andy Kaufman. Oh, okay. To be clear, our core values as an ownership group include one love and zero tolerance for racism or any other forms of hate against any group whatsoever. The platform that is the Jacksonville Iceman is one that is more than just about hockey to us as a group. It is about using this platform to spread not only our love for hockey, but our love for the community and for each other. Though the investigation and review is ongoing at the league level, the Jacksonville Iceman will be releasing the player involved effective immediately and will oh. continue our mission of sharing our love uh, our love of community, community and hockey. On behalf of the entire Iceman organization, we apologize to anyone who was offended and look for, forward to beginning the process of healing together as one. Thank you. Can you read like the first five words again? Uh, to be clear, our okay, core. That, that, that was it. You know you messed up 
when you have to start with to be clear. So they've released the, the kid, eh? Not the kid, but they released the player. Yes. Wow. wow. Okay. Okay. So I'd like to reiterate my mistake of saying that he was just going to get a slap on the wrist previously. <laughs> yeah. A slap on the and he's gone. No, but I don't think you were wrong, Daniel. You know what I mean? Like, he, he, how many times he, in the past? How mm-hmm. many? I wonder how many games he'll take. Because I'm assuming he'll still get an ECHL suspension. So if somebody's stupid enough to sign him, how long? Or maybe he'll just get a ban if they're smart. Um, but that's a good start. You said that was the Rangers organization, like a few yep. steps down, right? Yeah. That's good. That's good. All right. Um, that's pretty significant. All right. Good catch. Good catch. All right. Uh, thank you for listening. Don't give us too hard of a time that we forgot to draft Nathan McKinnon. Um, whatever. Uh, let us know when you see them who has the best team, by the way, because we are all very competitive. Thank you for listening, yes. by the way. Anyway, download the show wherever you listen to your podcast. We're everywhere. Voice had great platform. As always, check out the show on YouTube as well to see a video. Well, it's, it's it's the show, but you see our faces. Uh, you know, I never say video portion. It's not a portion. It's the whole thing. Uh, uh, out the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Great stuff. Uh, and check out our own social medias. My YouTube channel, Daniel Stepper, CGRU, Alex's blog. Um, one last thing, Patrick Talon jinxed the Coyotes because they were up 3-1. Then the Rangers scored six straight goals. And I was really sad about it. And I let him know that he jinxed them. Anyway, goodbye. Bye.